When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's November 12th, 2021. Happy Veterans Day. Thanks to all of our former and current service members who may be joining us. I'm Maggie Lake here with Tommy Thornton, founder of Hedge Fund Telemetry. Hey there, Tommy. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'd like to uh, also say uh, happy Veterans Day to, to everyone out there. Um, thank you for all that you do and what you've done in the past um, enables all of us to do and um, what we do in finance as well, uh, live uh, very wonderful lives. Yeah, live the lives we live. Absolutely. Uh, bond markets were closed today in observance of Veterans Day, but stocks were open. The Russell, the outperformer today, up nearly 1%. NASDAQ and S&P positive. The Dow, however, fell while gold extended its winning streak up more than three quarters of 1%. You know, Tommy, a lot of the action, though, for all we talk about any of the markets or, or whatever we decide to sort of touch on in that quick snapshot, so much of the activity centered around a few stocks and really in this sort of like EV automotive space. We're going to talk about Tesla in a moment. I want to ask you about Rivian, though. I mean, that jumped on the IPO. You hear, despite all the skeptics, and there were a lot of them talking about it yesterday, up another 20% today. Is that a trade you're participating in at all? I have no no participation in Rivian. I First of all, I, I will say that the EV market stock valuations uh, are just you know bizarre, absurd, makes no sense. Um, I will say I'm a big fan of EVs and the... I'm a big car guy, so I've looked at all the online um, reviews for the Rivian uh, truck, and I've actually seen it was at the New York Auto Show the, the the truck and the SUV, and that was several years ago, and I was blown away how nice they are. They're expensive, and there's a lot of people out there that have the money and are willing to fork down a lot for a very very well engineered and cool car. As far as the stock, you know, look, it's going to go up and up and up. And it's just a matter of finding more people that are going to buy it after you. And the valuations, $100 billion plus now. And you look at GM, is it, I think, 85? Ford's at 80 or 79. Ford actually owns some Rivian, which is mm -hmm. a good, really good trade for them. Uh, so it, it, it's still out there in the bizarre world where they haven't really delivered any cars yet, and it has a hundred billion dollar market cap. So I, I just, I'm going to stay away from it. It's just not in my wheelhouse or how I trade and invest. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's sort of the Tesla model, though, right? I mean, everyone had said that all along on the way up on Tesla and you know we've seen what happened you are as we know as as and and you know you you certainly have uh, very interesting sparring matches with people on Twitter about this all the time but you, you you have you know you have taken positions um on Tesla so let's talk about what's happening with that because Elon Musk sold 
more than what four and a half million shares in Tesla this week. I think it was worth about five billion. Um, he had that mm-hmm. tweet out asking people what he should do, talking about as being part of a you know sh- sort of financial strategy. Um, it, it was down, but you know it didn't sort of fall apart. It's the first time I think he sold since 2016 too. You know, what did you make of the behavior around that? I think you covered your shorts last time we were talking. Like, where are you on that now? Yeah, the the day when the Hertz thing was announced, the, the hundred thousand car, the Model Threes, um, I covered a significant amount of my short, and I only had three percent so of my portfolio, which is not you know going to end my my month or year. Uh, if it goes against me that far, but I covered it and I thought at 950, oh my God, I can't believe I'm covering it here. And so I've been pretty much on the sidelines. I actually bought a put spread in Tesla, which is actually working. It's it's, a, it's the December 900, 750, and the premiums are just nuts. And so I figured I would use the put spread as a way to basically define my risk. If this stock goes to 2000 or 3000 or, you know, who knows? And honestly, I'm not going to say it can't because I've seen crazy stuff happen with this yeah. company. So I define my risk. I, if it works, it's going to be a 10 X and great, but we'll see. It's just um, now he's selling stock and he didn't sell all the stock uh, to get to 10% of his holdings. Yeah. He's got more. That's it's going to be, a, yeah. I, I, I think I saw something where it would be what another like three times more than what he sold. I think, right? Right. Uh, I think now, um, he'd have to seventeen million shares to reach that, and he sold four point five. So it, it, he'd mm-hmm. have to do more if he intends to do that. Which, of course, we have no idea. Well, you know, here's the thing. He's he. They've uh, said that he has a 10B5-1 plan, which is basically what insiders of companies uh, have, where it, it's like a it's a program of when they can sell, how much they can sell, mm-hmm. a lot of parameters around earnings and disclosures. So, you know, he, you know, he's now a seller. And if anything, this will keep, in my opinion, I mean, it's Tesla, so anything can happen. It'll keep the bulls on notice that they can't just go and buy gobs of -of out-of-the-money call options and try and gamma squeeze this up because Elon could come in at any time and say, oh, you know what? Let's, you know, let's sell a million shares. Let's do whatever. And I think he is price sensitive. I mean, he, he stopped selling the lowest average on his prints were around uh, 1,018. And I don't think he wanted the stock to go below a thousand, probably mm-hmm. cause more carnage, but look, that's $200 million or billion billion off the market cap from the highs of, from, you know, the high to the recent low. That's a significant amount. Yeah, it, it certainly is. You know, you said something to me when, when we spoke last week that really sort of stopped me in my tracks and you were not just talking about Tesla, but being concerned about Tesla being a systemic risk to the system. Um, you know, and and we talked about that, you know, being around an individual stock. And can you talk can you talk to us a little bit more about what you're looking at that that right, gives you right. such concern? You know what I mean? Like what 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 are the signals you're seeing that indicate that that may be a systemic risk? 
well, we've never seen a company go up as fast with as much market cap as they have in the last, is it a month or six weeks? Mm-hmm. I think from where it really started to accelerate, it's up $400 billion. And you have massive amounts of call buying. And we're going to talk about that, I think, as well in Tesla. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And, yeah, and wait. That... Let's put let's put one of the one of the stock. Okay. One of, walk us through this because one of the stocks. Uh, sorry, one of the the charts you sent through is the S and P index option volume. So so tell us what this is telling you. Uh, which one are we? Oh, is this the, the bars? The bars? The with the, yeah. Okay, so what's happening is that that with the proliferation of weekly option expiration, we're seeing. A well, a rise in the amount of call buying, option buying, and selling, I guess, as well. But what it's, what it really jumped out at me is that the the amount of time that people are holding these options is decreased dramatically. So there there's a big like there's bars on the left hand side of less than holding. You know, these holders are less than 24 hours and. 24 hours to one week is really, really high. So these are very short-term uh, option players. And to me, that's just a sign, another sign of the thousand signs of just excess uh, speculation happening in the market. And where I think it could be a more of a system, systemic problem is that people are very concentrated in very few mega cap stocks like Amazon, Tesla, Apple, uh, you know, Nvidia, a few others, and let's just say for Tesla because that's the poster child of all the yeah. Crazy so wait, we have a, we also have another one: Tesla option versus the total ETF market to, to talk about to illustrate that concentration. Um, yeah, this one. I mean, it is. Yeah, the total. Yeah, the this is the. Last, this Goldman Sachs put out just like a unbelievable report that I, I took a couple charts and put them on my my note today. This okay on the bottom is the total ETF average volume. That's three hundred twenty three billion. That's like over three weeks average. And Tesla on top over the last three weeks every day has averaged two hundred forty one billion. Um, that's. 75% of the total ETF options volume. Um, Amazon's right up there, technology entertainment. That's you got to have, you know, NVIDIA and Apple and AMD and all the other ones. And then all the other stocks at 112 billion. So to me, if let's just say, I don't know, maybe it could happen. Um, Tesla's halted in the after hours tonight, speculation, or I'm not saying. This is a scenario that could cause like some serious pain. And let's say that the full self-driving 
uh, is banned, the government, which they are looking into the full self-driving, says, okay, we, we're not going to allow this. Uh, you got to disable it, and you can't sell it anymore. And maybe you've got to refund people that paid six years ago $10,000, and they still don't have it. Or something could be just, you know, a yeah. negative event. Elon steps down and goes chairman, you know, non-executive chairman, and he's the technology techno king or whatever. That could cause a stock like Tesla to gap down 10, 20% the next day. Now, remember when we had GameStop and the problem that Robinhood had is they had such concentration of their people, their clients that were long GameStop and using leverage, using options, and that stock gapped up and down uh, for, I think it was like a week and a half. And when you have those gaps, you can't get out of your stock or you can't fill your, you know, get out to satisfy a margin call. And then guess what happens? Um, those clients go away and Robinhood or another brokerage is left, you know, holding the bag. Hmm and has a capital hole that they have to fill. Now there's a bunch of, I mean, I'm not worried about Schwab or um, some of the other larger discounters or even the large institutional mega funds, but Robinhood, I mean, we saw a $25 billion market cap company almost sink them and they needed a capital infusion. I think Robinhood is a big short and I just added it today as a new short idea, not necessarily because of this particular problem, but there's a big lockup that's happening tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then December 1st, 93% of the entire float will be unlocked. And the stock's been just trickling down here at the bottom. You know, Gary Gensler, this SEC chairman is saying, hey, maybe we might reform pay per order flow or yeah. ban it. And yeah, there's a, there's a host of, there's a host of risks. What what has me worried when you talk about te- like talk about GameStop that was very particular a particular audience followed that when you're talking about some of these names Amazon, Tesla, Apple, Nvidia, they are sitting in a lot of people's retirement, oh, yeah. a lot of people's funds. I mean, th- those yeah. are really really widely held stocks. Does that help the situation? Does that make it less likely we see one of those scenarios or does that make it a reason to be more concerned about what's going on with some of these flows you see and some of the activity in the option market. Well, the the option market is skewed with those stocks, those mega cap stocks to the upside. So people are buying out of the money calls. And we're talking serious amounts of money that's going into the same everyday strategy. And it's not just retail, but I think Goldman said that 55% of all the Option activity continues to be retail, and that's a very high percentage. So, look, my view is that that any type of risk dislocation um, can pinprick, uh, you know, the bubble that we have here. That people are one-sided and yeah. one-sided on the long side, and you know, it could be if Apple had some sort of negative announcement or. Amazon. I mean, I don't anticipate those companies having a negative announcement, obviously, because they just, you know, they are just so mega that it, it would take a lot. But with Tesla, I think they're vulnerable to some catalyst that that could happen. Yeah. But 
Which is, I mean, often the the worry is often these things are unforeseen and they're not always, we have one more chart, which is Tesla's daily shares and options. This is a dot chart. I think we have, which again, just shows like, look at where Tesla is compared to it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's not anywhere near anything else. And, you know, I think back to what happened in the beginning of COVID, right? Like when that, the whole world locked on, no one could have anticipated that. It had nothing to do with the fundamentals of any of these companies. And yet you saw major moves in stocks because that's what happens when, when something, you know, comes out of left field that we've never seen before. It's very hard to anticipate. So if you've got that excess that's what what worries me. If you have excess in the market or you have people who have the potential to be trapped, if there is an unforeseen sharp decline, th- that's problematic. Uh, yeah. And look, you can go on YouTube and you can see the, there, there are Tesla bulls that are touting and talking about the gamma squeeze and how to play it. So it's become almost like a strategy. Oh, we're going to play the gamma squeeze and look at this is what we're going to do. And and I don't know who the mega buyer that's starting it. it. It's obviously someone with very deep pockets. And maybe it's the guy in Singapore that was, you know, he's got $7 billion in Tesla and NVIDIA and others. Uh, I don't know. But, hmm. you know, the problem is um, that's an outlier type chart right there. And again, if this just, you know, something negative happens or it slips on a banana, look out. It, it could uh, it could cause a bit of a cascade. You know, and the, the thing is, we we I, I spoke to I mean you're you're focused on this on this part of of the action that's happening and, and the things that are worrying you what you see in options. But there is some worry out there. I mean, for all the we've seen in the market action, I, I recently sat down with Warren Pies, who's the founder of 314 Research, who's also bearish when he looks out to next year, but for different reasons. Let's have a listen to what he had to say. When we look out at 2022, honestly, we see a lot of bearish uh, factors building. So I would be cautious going into 2022. So our, we already all know that valuations are high. We wouldn't use this as a timing tool, but we have a basic model we use that takes the CAPE ratio, adjust it for interest rates. Even for low interest rates, the market looks like it's about 25% overvalued from here. So you can look at that and say, okay, there's quite a bit of downside if we do have some negative catalysts. So there's that. Uh, I think an important one for next year is going to be the election cycle. So mm-hmm. midterm election years are historically poor years for the stock market. And I think next year could be even worse than typical because this market has run off of fiscal stimulus. And so if we were to have a, a scenario next year where um, Democratic approval levels, like Biden's approval level, levels stay low, uh, and the voter base for Democrats seems like it's not going to be energized, and it could be a sweep of the House of Representatives and potentially even the Senate. For Republicans, we're looking at gridlock. Uh, the market will read that as austerity. So you're taking away some of that fiscal stimulus that the market's run on. And I think the market will use that as an excuse to sell off um, mm-hmm. next year. And so, and typically, when you look at midterm election years, you get weakness about four months before, four to five months before the November election. So that's typical. I think it could be pronounced next year. And that full interview with Warren Pies is available, uh, will be available on Essential Plus and Pro members. I think it's releasing tomorrow, but check it on the website and you'll see. Um, Tommy, the good, good luck trying to hand give anything that happens in Washington, I say. I mean, that that is difficult. But um, you know, we see the blame game already on. We know there's going to be all of this 
activity, not only in the lead up to, to midterms next year, because that's looking quite far out, but right now there's all this wrangling. Um, do you think that's going to force a change at the top of the Fed? I, I thought that was more of an outside risk, but a lot of people talking about it. Brainerd's been seen interviewing in the White House. What's your sense of that? And, and does it matter to you? Well, I've been, you know, I've been a little, well, let's just say I'm now in the camp that that uh, Powell will be gone. He will be replaced. Uh, really? I, I think I think for a few reasons. I think Powell uh, will be the scapegoat for all the problems for inflation. He was a Trump appointee. Uh, all the other Trump appointees, or a lot of them, have you know, either insider traded them their way out uh, of uh, being a Fed uh, governor or they've uh, retired. And I think that it's um, it's also going to satisfy the progressives. Yeah, red the meat progressives, progressives right? including Elizabeth Warren and AOC and a few others, uh, have been very critical of Powell. And when Elizabeth Warren calls him a dangerous man, I think she's pretty hell-bent on using her political power with Biden to, you know, replace him. Now, Brainerd, okay, everybody's like, oh, well, great, she's a dove. You know, this is not the time the market needs a dove right now, and the market really needs a bit of the the, the adult in the room that's going to say, hey, we've got to really be mindful of inflation. We've got to be on a path with Tapering QE and unfortunately, rate right uh, rate hikes have to happen. Now, everybody's worried about a rate hike of 25 basis points or two rate hike hikes of 25 basis points to 50 basis points. Now, Volcker, when inflation was out of control, took the Fed funds rate from 10% to 20% to control inflation. It killed housing, it killed the mm -hmm. auto industry, it killed everything that went into and the need to borrow. I don't think that's necessarily gonna be the, the case of what the next Fed chairman needs to do, and I don't think Brainerd's gonna do that, but what Brainerd, the most well, does important it thing- Does it matter because, I mean, it's a committee, right? Does it really matter that much? I I. Or is it just the, the fact that there's change and now there's an unknown? Right. Well, well, I think Biden's going to put want to put his stamp on the Fed. They're 14 year, you know, they're in the Fed for 14 years, um, which I guess is better than the Supreme Court. <laughs> but the the point is, Brainerd. The most important thing that Brainerd's going to do is roll back the banking regulation. She's going to make it a little tougher. Going back to some of the Obama. Uh, rules that they had. And that's the big thing that Elizabeth Warren is just hell-bent on getting rid of Powell, because he did roll back some regulations. It helped um, allow some mergers in regional banks. Mm. They're against that. The other thing that's really negative for the banks is she's not for uh, capital return. That means buybacks are going to be curtailed. Dividends could even be curtailed. Um, you know, they want banks to lend more, which I guess is their job, but they're going to have to go out on the risk curve and lend to more risky type endeavors. And that, to me, I think is going to be 
rather tough. So are you, are you negative financials because of that? Well, I, like, I've been positive on financials and right now I'm out of all my financials positions. I am not short financials. Um, financials can work if all of a sudden the yield curve starts to widen and it's been narrowing, which is a, a, a bit of a negative and the bond market's just been, I mean, absolutely one of the craziest last months I've seen in sovereign debt in a while. But if it start, if the yield curve starts to widen, banks will start to work. Um, but I think it'll be a short-term positive that people will say, oh, great, we've got a dove. We don't need another dove. I mean, everybody's dovish already. And the problem is um, it's just going to be really towards banks. And that's going to be the first thing that Brainerd does. Yeah. That that's going to be important because a lot of people have been looking at financials as an area that you know maybe takes some leadership or uh, that they like perhaps in the coming years. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Um, we have a question from Mike. What does Tommy have on as an inflation hedge long-term? Are you looking at that, or is there something else you like, even if it's not related to inflation? You know, the, the problem that, that that's happening in the market these days is the best inflation hedge, or the one that people have gravitated towards, I guess the best one is the one that works. And that's been all Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the cryptos. And that's been that's taken a lot of the normal, let's buy gold and yeah. silver for, as an inflation hedge. Like, so you know, you haven't you need to get more people that get interested in an asset that works, and gold and silver, they haven't worked. So mm-hmm. if all of a sudden they start to work you'll have people gravitate towards them. Now they're starting to work a little bit. And yeah, gold up I, I, seven in a row, right? Freeport McMoran uh, was up 9% today. It's a pretty big move. Yeah, I don't think that was necessarily because of the gold move. I think there was Earnings. stuff going on in China and the property stuff there. But yeah, I mean, it's always something. But, you know, I recognize that gold and silver are trying once again to try and break out and move. And I, I said to my people... I like silver over gold, and I really don't have. It's more technical, and it's it's low conviction right now. Is there anything you do feel high conviction about, or that you're liking right now? Well, I do like the cannabis sector. I think that it's a great long theme for 2022. There will be a bipartisan uh, legislation that's being brought up by, crazy enough, the Republicans as a common sense positive legislation, and that'll get approved. And you you also have already had New York, Connecticut, some of the larger states uh, approve the sale of cannabis, and it really hasn't hit yet. They have to, it, there's a lot of loopholes that they, or um, hoops that they've got to go through uh, the retailers to get approved. And then It'll roll out probably in 2022. So I like I like it. It's been beat up. It's hard to buy beat up stuff right now in this market, and um, I think it, I think it it'll work. 
Yeah. Do you, um, th- we had a question about how do you know when to cover your short? Do you ride them all the way down, take profit and exit? Is there a, is there a formula that you use or is it really on a case by case basis? That's from Ralph. Yeah. It's okay. So last night, um, I'm short a firm and they, they were down yesterday, 15% because of upstart. They had terrible numbers. And I've been short a firm and I'm like, oh, this is, you know, good. And I noticed 15 minutes before the market closed that they were reporting. And normally I always know every company I'm short or long when they report. And it just slipped me and I was so annoyed with myself. And then the stock went up 30%. Oof. I was like, oh, this is great. And, you know, opening wine, like just like I gotta drown myself. <laughs> And then today, I, I said to my people, I said, I'm so annoyed, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And it went down and went back under my average, and I covered it for, you know, four and a half percent. And I thought to myself, get out the second time. Don't try and, you know, right. play it too cool. And so I feel like I got lucky there. But look, I short a lot of stocks. You got to take profits when you have them, takes partial profits. Uh, as they start to work. And if they don't work, you can move on and and get out. I generally look for shorts that are technically exhausted on the upside and then start to break down. I just shorted Nike the other day. I like some retailers. Um, yeah, because retail side. sales out next week, out next Tuesday. Tapestry yeah. was a big, a big mover today as well, formerly known as Coach. Right. And you know, one of my big concerns is that the retailers may not have enough inventory because yep. of the supply chain issues to sell. And they also are going to have the inflation cost that they're going to have to try and push off on their squeeze margins if they can. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, everybody's in the U.S. are used to these Black Friday sales where everything is so cheap and you know, these companies, you know, retailers bring people in just to get them in the door and, you know, lose money almost on with squeezed margins, as you just said. So we'll see if they can do that. So I. So when I you said you like retailers, you like you, you like them as a short, not as a not short, like, yeah. as a short. Yeah, I, I'm right now. I think it's a, it's a very overbought market, overloved. And I, I I'm nervous about it's hard to be short and nervous and, you know, basically short a market in November and December. Yeah. It's really tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I look, I have pair trades and I do, you know, various different things like that, but I think it's going to get tougher. And, you know, if we continue to see inflation, you know, continue and, and look, it could, this could be it. This could have, could have been the top tick for CPI. I don't know. But if it does continue, I think people are going to start, you know, really getting nervous of the transitory uh, dropping off of the Fed's call. They might have to move a little faster, and that will hurt stocks. Yeah, it's definitely going to definitely going to get much bumpier out there. We gave everybody a few extra minutes, Tommy, because this is right. such good sage advice, and I think it's really important to surface this for people in the market who have really enjoyed a one-way train right so far. So, you know, take all of this in, look at your risk profile, look at how much you need that money you're investing and, and then make some decisions with it. 
Um, if you have it, if you have it to be risky with, that's different. But um, I think it's really great advice that you're giving everyone, and we're going to continue to return to that that issue of systemic risk because I think it's so important. But and we'll and we'll keep track of those trades. Tommy, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thanks. And if anybody has any questions, you can reach me um, at Hedge Fund Telemetry info at hedgefundtelemetry.com. I'll try and get back to your emails. Maybe not tonight, uh, but in the next few days. And if you have any questions, comments, hate mail, bring it on. Let's go. <laughs> and it's important, right? You got to lean on the people of have experienced and been through these things before. Um, thanks so much. Hey, listen, another heads up um, after you got finished um, sending your mail to Tommy. Uh, we have an exciting event coming up. We are taking over Vegas. That's right. From December 9th to the 11th, Real Vision and MGM Resorts have joined forces to host a groundbreaking event on the biggest revolution since the internet, blockchain. At the iconic MGM Grand in Las Vegas, we're going to be exploring blockchain's present and future, how it's taking over entire industries and worlds from traditional finance to art, gaming, music, banking, you know what I'm talking about. All that. You can check out what's in store at realvision.com slash MGM takeover. And I'm happy to say I'm going to be joining the gang out there. So looking forward to it. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow for the daily briefing with Christian Alexander. We'll see you then. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.